Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Hello everyone, Dr. Hondorp here and back for our second episode of the series about intuitive eating. I'm really excited to dive into this. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, it might be a good one to start with because I gave an overview of what intuitive eating is. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about why intuitive eating is great and wonderful, and it might not be for everyone simply because we're all individuals and to find one size fits all for everything is very challenging. So full disclosure, I think intuitive eating is really helpful in moving a lot of people towards an autonomous relationship with food and their body. I talk about it in my program, but ultimately it's, we're just all unique. And so we're going to be talking about some of the more nuanced aspects of intuitive eating within the health field. So, um, I will just say right off the bat, like if you're like, uh, intuitive eating has been useful for me, but I already have some doubts about it. And I'm afraid this episode will like trigger me into an unhelpful mindset or something. Uh, just skip it. Right. Like I think trust yourself and do that. I don't think we're going to say anything super. Well, it's just me, not we, (laughs) we're not going to, I'm not going to say anything super triggering by any means, but you know, it's, I believe that giving informed choice is saying like, what do we know about each approach and what do we not know? But if you're someone who's like already all up in your head and really stressed about like the back and forth and the research and things like that, and it tends to immobilize you, not empower you, then that's a great time to just like know that about yourself and skip this episode. But anyways, so diving in with um, my usual disclaimer, you know, this this podcast and blog are all for educational and informational purposes only and are not to be construed as any form of professional advice. And also my reminder, if you got my free guide yet, I made this guide. It's a cool, pretty looking PDF guide that gives you things to do in those moments where you have a strong desire to eat, to cope with your emotions or a strong desire to binge eat, but you're saying, I really want to do something else. And it can feel almost impossible in those moments to find something else to do. So I created this PDF guide for you to just pull up really quick and just give yourself these like 23 different options. Just review the list and choose one that feels best to you. There's like 
They're all pretty easy to do, but they have links and almost all of them are 100% free. There's some really cool ideas on there. So grab that for free by going to the show notes or going to drhondorp.com forward slash guide and pick that up for free today. All right, so let's dive in with today's episode, which is, again, part two of the intuitive eating series. As a review, intuitive eating and intuitive eaters do not restrict themselves for the purpose of weight loss. They honor their hunger and fullness signals, and they're most certainly not on a diet. We covered the 10 principles of intuitive eating in the last episode, so check that out for a review. But for many people, Hearing that sort of intuitive eating or unconditional permission to eat, which is part of intuitive eating, rejecting the diet mentality, you know, obviously I talk a lot about that in this podcast, it can feel a little overwhelming or even scary. Some people even think it sounds impossible for them or even irresponsible. So there's a lot of uncertainty and unknowns with it. Um, That said, as I talked about last time, you know, the research suggests that intuitive eating is really helpful alternative for many people. And this can be particularly true if you've struggled with a lot of chronic up and down dieting, a lot of weight cycling, and or an eating disorder of some type. And this approach, um, and and just as a quick caveat with the eating disorder, always consult. If you have a significant eating disorder, always consult with someone to see if this approach is right for you. Because in some instances, if you're really struggling with anorexia and really restricting Intuitive eating doesn't have as much data. So that, again, not professional advice, but always consult with a professional about these issues. I just have to say that before going on here. So this approach can be incredibly empowering after a lifetime of tracking everything that goes in your mouth or feeling guilty when you're not. And that said, we are all individual and we are unique. So for this reason alone, the intuitive eating approach may not be right for everyone, So in this episode, we're going to cover some common objections or concerns people have about intuitive eating, some of the reasons why intuitive eating might not be more widely promoted, even including objections from the medical community that come up from time to time. And then we're going to talk at the end, so stay till the end, for seven ways that you can utilize wisdom from intuitive eating regardless of what approach you take. So we're going to leave you with something, something for everyone here today. So let's dive in with some of the questions and concerns about intuitive eating. Some of the common concerns or questions I often hear about intuitive eating from people I work with, but also professionals that I work with, is the question of, can everyone really get to a place of true intuitive eating in our food environment? Or could this paradigm set up some people in some environments for significant weight gain, since hyperpalatable foods are so readily available, meaning foods with a lot of sugar, salt, and fat. I always say they know what they're doing when they design the foods in our environment. The other questions include how do eating preferences play into this? So if you just don't ever have this developed love for like vegetables or foods that we know are health promoting, Will this approach really allow you to reclaim an eating pattern that optimizes your health? So that's another question that we'll dive into. And then are there other times when an intuitive eating approach wouldn't be the best option, like specific times when someone's really stressed, for example, would that maybe not be the best option? 
And finally, asking the question of like, which populations has intuitive eating been studied in and which has not? We'll, we're not going to dive super into detail about that because that would require like a intense literature review on my part. And I haven't done that recently, but we're going to touch on that for sure. So we're going to dive into some of these questions right now, but I will warn you right now that I don't have all the answers. So I, like you, am always growing, learning and changing all the time. So the important thing to consider as you listen to this or anything is you get to decide what approach feels makes you feel empowered and feels useful to you right now. You can get guidance from me or other professionals. You are the deciding factor. You know what's best for you, even though it doesn't always feel like that. So that's really important to remind yourself of. So some of the common individual objections that I hear about intuitive eating I've heard this from one-on-one clients or groups. It, one of the most common ones is just this urgency to like, I need to start losing weight now. So the intuitive eating, non-dieting approach is pretty clear, right? Like quick weight loss is not the goal. If weight loss occurs, we're taking this backdoor approach. It's not, and, and to overfix it on weight loss can be very counterproductive, which, you know, I talk about and the intuitive eating approach talks about as well. So, I'll touch a little bit on next episode, part three, about the fact that over the long term, like years, not weeks, an intuitive eating approach, and it could happen sooner, but more likely long term, it cannot lead to weight loss for some, but that's not guaranteed and it's not the goal, really. Um, And I've also heard, you know, some examples of people who report feeling more autonomous in their motivation and experiencing some weight loss, who arguably might be doing some principles of intuitive eating, but if you're doing this approach just in hopes that it'll lead to weight loss, it can, and I do see this happen a lot, where it undermines the process of actually returning to intuitive eating and getting in tune with your body. So it's almost like we just can't focus on too many things at once, and so that can undermine that progress and The bottom line here is that most of the research would suggest that if quick weight loss is your most important goal, then the intuitive eating approach is probably not the best option. The good news is intuitive eating will be around and it can be considered down the road, but ultimately you get to choose, right? And this is not, um, full autonomy means choice and without pressure. Another individual objection I often hear is this idea of like, I need more structure. So intuitive eating by design is relatively unstructured. And at times for people who have been dieting their whole life, this can be kind of exciting, but for others and many others, I would say it can be really scary. It can feel overwhelming. Depending on the person, there are some rules or limits that can feel helpful, not restrictive. So for example, some people find it just simpler to stay away from certain foods like that feel really triggering, or they might like the accountability and awareness that comes with keeping a journal, but that's, again, very individual. So often I'll encourage people to track internal things like hunger, maybe habits versus nutrition information, because that can just get us too caught up in diet mentality, external shoulds. But if for you, it provides a sense of confidence and usefulness versus deprivation, there's nothing inherently bad about tracking. It's just really understanding, like, how does this impact me and my feeling of autonomy over my health? 
Other people with eating patterns that are really irregular or all over the place might also struggle with this like unconditional permission to eat. And so sometimes you can think of like, oh, not having a structure can be sort of part of the learning process. But within the context of intuitive eating or any plan you take, you can have a plan for your day or your week, perhaps including sort of general portion sizes, just the structure to make sure you're moving towards a path towards a healthy relationship with food. Um, and like I said, it's not that having a plan for your eating or putting boundaries around it isn't necessarily incompatible with intuitive eating, but some people just want more structure than intuitive eating can provide and just like reading the book and going through the principles. And that's completely okay. So to want a little bit more structure and know that about yourself, if it's coming from that internal place, I don't ever want someone to feel bad about that. The next individual objection I hear is, I'm too scared to give myself an unconditional permission to eat. I'll just eat a ton of junk. And I'll say that lack of trust in your body and its signals are often a product of that lifetime of rules and what we should eat. This lack of trust might also be related to a personal history of eating foods that make up the standard American diet. This belief that I can't control myself without a plan can be unlearned with an intuitive eating approach, but it often takes time and patience. But as I'll discuss below, there are some concerns in some communities about using an intuitive eating approach if you're constantly sur surrounded by tempting foods and have limited access to healthy foods. So as we'll discuss a little bit below, I think we just need more to study more and understand this more thoroughly to understand how this approach really is working in a wide variety of people. And if, if this is the case, like if you're feeling like I'm a little too overwhelmed, it doesn't mean that intuitive eating and the principles won't be useful to you, but you could also, it's not incompatible to do a more intuitive eating, trust yourself approach while also making some changes to your environment, like your home environment. Um, as long as you're not doing from so from like a attempting to restrict mindset, which tends to backfire, that doesn't necessarily mean it's incompatible with this approach. Some other common objections that I've heard, um, particularly from the medical community, or this sort of question of like, why is this not talked about more? The, you know, it's important to remember that intuitive eating is not going to produce those fast visible results, most likely, that the Western medical model really focuses on. So Western medicine, your doctor is probably going to be more impressed if you can say, hey, look, I lost 20 pounds versus an increased score on a questionnaire about intuitive eating, saying you feel more at peace with food. And this is, first of all, not to discount their health benefits that can occur down the road, but it's just to name the fact that our medical community really likes quick results. And so that mindset can be ingrained in us as individuals, too, and but I often say like we are, when it comes to health and anything we're really doing, it is helpful to take that long-term game approach because that tends to lead to better results and actually work. Second concern I've heard and from other people is this objection. This is more in the medical community, I would say, that not focusing on weight loss might not be in the best interest of all. This one's really controversial. Although many researchers agree, or most researchers agree, that there's a benefit to reducing weight stigma 
and widening our idea of what a healthy body can look like, concerns have been raised that abandoning weight loss efforts might be harmful for some. Concerns include the benefit of modest weight losses that are maintained could be missed out if weight loss is no longer a goal. Um, skeptics for this approach have noted that many of the studies that conducted with intuitive eating have limited samples and are primarily done with women with more disordered eating or individuals in the overweight or class one obesity range. So you, if you know me, I don't like BMI, but it's what we have. And that's um, a BMI of like 30 to 35. Therefore, results, we don't know as much about intuitive eating with people in higher weights or more diverse groups. And that's just commonly true with research. So it's sort of a reality that we need to to look at and, and study more. But in the meantime, it's just important to sort of look at how is it going to apply for you as an individual. Other concerns also have included the fact that our weight set point can gradually go up and but arguably it often does with dieting, right? So it could be harder to lower the, our set point the longer we maintain a higher weight, but I think we have to weigh the pros and cons with like a dieting approach, which doesn't tend to work long-term either. So if we, but that, you know, if we're ignoring significant amounts of weight gain, we m might be making it harder for bodies to achieve optimal health in the future. That's kind of the objection or concern um, and we'll talk about it in a second, this fear that intuitive eating could set us up for weight gain. Uh, I don't find that to be super concerning in the work that I've done, but I guess it's just, we're looking at all angles here. That's, that's kind of the goal of this episode. So concern number three is that there's too many things in our environment besides hunger that encourage us to eat. Therefore, intuitive eating could set us up for weight gain. And based on the existing research of intuitive eating, health at every size, non-diet type interventions, even mindful eating interventions, it doesn't tend to result in weight gain as a whole. It's more resulting in weight maintenance and some improved health outcomes. But as mentioned above, sample sizes have been limited, so we can't fully rule this out. And I've heard some anecdotal stories about people feeling like I took this approach and it didn't work for me, I gained weight. Um, but not really people that I've directly worked with. So there's obviously many things that make us eat when we're not hungry. Food companies know what they're doing. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, again, intuitive eating is not incompatible, in my opinion, with changing our food environment, making those choices to make it easier on us. Um, in my program, we talk about the concept of optimal defaults, which is the just the idea that we when we just make the default choice a healthier choice, we're all more likely to do it. And with our food environment, we've made the default choices pretty unhealthy. Just um, there's obviously a bunch of examples of this, but just like the smallest size that you can get for like anything is quite large. And once we have a bigger portion size, we're more likely to eat it. So, so like I said, I don't think it's incompatible with taking steps to improve our environment. Um, but we have to look at how this approach would look or how it might impact people in environments where they might have less control. Like for example, food deserts, which is where people don't have access to healthy food. Um, that's obviously more of a larger systemic problem, but 
I'm just acknowledging we need to look at this from all angles. And the other concern is that someone with a strong preference for highly processed, hyperpalatable foods might be set up to fail with this approach. Um, we know that our eating history, like as early as in utero or during breastfeeding, can have an impact on the foods we prefer. And repeated exposure to healthful foods without pressure can increase liking, but parental pressure to eat, like clean your plate or finish your vegetables or you can't get dessert, can decrease liking of foods. And some of these things, you know, while changeable, can be hard to change. And so there is some research that individuals with higher weights might have a harder time interpreting internal signals of hunger fullness. I think we need more research on uncoupling the impact of the diet mentality, the weight bias, and the stigma and the stress on this. But for now, without more research, I think we just have to take an individualized approach, right? And to say, like, work with a professional if need be, or just say, like, do you think this approach will work for you? And maybe keeping an open mind, right? So mindful eating or intuitive eating is all about curiosity and just noticing. So that, um, in my, in my experience, curiosity and noticing and awareness doesn't usually lead to weight gain if we're truly being aware. I think it's more when it's left unchecked or we're just not paying attention. That's more likely. Obviously, there's exceptions here. But objection number five, just I, we've already been talking about this throughout. I think as with any research, this intuitive eating hasn't been studied in a ton of really diverse groups, diverse backgrounds diverse weight ranges. And it in each of these studies, it's hard, like I said, to uncouple the impact of the diet mentality or diet culture affects everyone. Diet culture just meaning like we're bombarded with messages that you need to lose weight and it's you're bad if you don't. So it's really hard to parse these things apart. But that's why I think it's important to acknowledge that, but also take an individualized approach. So now we're going to go over seven things that regardless of where you focus, how you improve your health, I do think the intuitive eating approach and the principles clearly has benefits. And there's a lot that we can apply the wisdom of intuitive eating that'd be beneficial for all of us. So we'll go over that right now. So number one is focusing on how lifestyle choices, eating habits, exercise, movement make you feel. So you've heard me say this many times, but regardless of you know, relying solely on an expert opinion about the right diet for your body just doesn't make sense anymore. We're two different and individual humans and one plan is not going to work for all. So this is going to be a trial and error, continual improvement process. But if we can learn to, and we can learn to view it as a learning experience with less self-judgment, it doesn't have to be so burdensome and we can at times enjoy the process. I know it seems like a stretch, but Instead of asking yourself how to be good and lose weight today, ask yourself, how can I make choices today that'll help me to feel as good as possible in my body throughout the day? How can I make choices that allow me to show up in the world from a place of worthiness, from a place of body, respecting my body and doing the things that I find meaningful in throughout my day, throughout my week? Number two, we want to practice Focusing less, probably much less, on the number on the scale. Ideally, not at all, right? Or minimally. You can still weigh yourself occasionally if you want. Of course, always defer to a health professional on this recommendation. 
but truly learning to look at it as one piece of information about your health. And it may have very little to do with how you feel physically. Overfocus on this number can truly and often does really distract us from figuring out and eating a movement pattern that works for you. Number three, ditch the mindset that eating habits reflect our character. This one is obviously very challenging in our environment and the messages that we're given, all the judgment about our eating choices and our bodies. Particularly if you're in a larger body, this is not easy, but yes, there are absolutely foods that are more harmful or more helpful to our health over time, but no one choice is the end of the world. And eating these foods does not make us bad people we judge ourselves and our others really, really harshly at times, and it's just not helpful and it needs to stop. So this idea that I think the judgment that goes all over the place, particularly on the internet, is way more harmful than any one eating choice any person decides to make. So suggestion number four is you could consider trying intuitive eating for a period of time as an experiment. Um, I say this with caution because I think sometimes if you're really doing it as a short experiment, you might get nothing out of it and you might think that didn't work for me. But if you've tried a lot of different diet programs only to feel really hungry, deprived, and then binge eat on that forbidden food, you know, particularly if you've really struggled with this for years, talking to a professional can be helpful and guide you through the process. But Trying an intuitive eating non-restrictive approach for a period of time could be really beneficial. Um, with any new approach, you want to come into it with an open mind, attitude of curiosity, and a support system around this could be very useful as well. Um, we just started our body respect program cohort. We'll open that probably one more time this year in the fall. You could get on the wait list um, by checking it out in the show notes. but. There's lots of other programs and professionals that can work you through this type of eating style. It's more and more commonly talked about on the internet. So there are ways to find support, but also a health professional who knows your specific situation, who's not going to pressure you, who's going to support your autonomy is key. And tip number five is I think the environment will still matter for most of us. So um, most of us are still going to be really influenced by our environment socially, but also what foods are available. So if you have something around really often and it's super visible, you probably eat more of it, which isn't a bad thing. But if you're saying, I don't want to eat as much of that, if there's nothing wrong. That's not diet mentality. If you're, I mean, it can be diet mentality, but if you're just like, yeah, I'm not going to have this around because I'll eat more and I won't feel super good about that physically, um, then you can just keep those things out of the home and make it easier Again, the mindset behind it's really important, but uh, I think that changing your food environment in a intentional, thoughtful way doesn't have to be incompatible with making peace with food and your body. Number six tip is mindful eating will still often be helpful. So, you know, in fact, I would argue that some fo focus on internal signals like hunger fullness is probably essential unless you plan to like really follow a strict plan or record your eating for the rest of your life. Um, a lot of people don't want to do that, understandably. Our bodies have different calorie and nutrient needs from day to day, and we need to learn to listen and have some degree of flexibility. So slowing down your pace of eating, 
eating with minimal distractions, particularly as you're working on this, it's more even more important. Like eating at the table without TV or your phone is typically going to be helpful. Asking yourself, am I truly hungry before eating? Checking in with your hunger partway through your meal, after, just noticing with curiosity is frankly always a helpful skill for pretty much all of us. And finally, tip number seven is to remind yourself that you are the expert on your body and what eating pattern will work for you. Diet mentality, diet culture, our culture's obsession with weight loss has left us not trusting ourselves to make our own choices. Whatever approach you choose, it'll probably require some tweaking and adjusting because our relationships with food are complex. And so it's great to get advice from experts, especially when they're credible and they're not pressuring you. But ultimately, you're in the driver's seat to figure out the plan that'll work best for you. And it's time to relearn to trust yourself that you can make decisions, see how it goes, learn from it, course correct if needed, and continue to work on finding a way of eating and moving that works for you. So yes, autonomy is key, not pressuring. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of criticism. I know this is not easy, but I also know that you can do it. So we'll see you next time. In next week's episode, I'm going to cover some of the frequently asked questions about intuitive eating, kind of how this all makes sense. And I'll discuss some experiences that people I've worked with have had and um, kind of how that all maps onto real people's lives. So um, if you haven't yet, remember to grab your free PDF guide with my 23 positive ideas of things to do when you are super stressed and the urge strikes and you don't know what else to do. It'll be super fun. Grab that at drhondorf.com forward slash guide. Hope you guys have a wonderful week and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable, and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard, and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.